Today on Locked On Canadians, a special treat. Lauren Kelly joins us to talk Owen Beck, Philip Mayshar, and all the other OHL prospects in the HAB system. And that's coming up on today's Locked On Canadians. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 735 of Locked On Canadians. We thank you for making us your first listen. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, as well as on YouTube. My name is Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm without my wonderful co-host, Scott Matla, but I have somebody equally wonderful joining me to take his place. Uh, Lauren Kelly, lead OHL scout for Elite Prospects is here with us uh, back by popular demand. In fact, when I mentioned on yesterday's episode that Lauren would be back, I had some delightful DMs and I had some delightful comments in my DMs. Uh, So Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for your time. How are you doing this evening? Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be back and uh, glad that my last uh, appearance on this show was well received, I guess. Um, I'm good. Uh, Just excited to discuss some of the OHL prospects in the Canadian system. So you are kind of our resident Owen Beck expert, even before Owen Beck was a Montreal Canadiens prospect. He was definitely somebody that was on Scott's radar and uh, some of our listeners' radar. But now he's a Montreal Canadian. And honestly, if you ask me, he's a freaking steal if you look at where he was drafted and how far he's come so far in his first offseason. Uh, so obviously, let's start, let's, let's start with your thoughts on what he's done before he got sent back to the AHL. Like he had a really good uh, camp with the Canadians, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't think that there was a player like more consistent, more dynamic, um, really proved himself game in and game out at practice uh, in preseason or in uh, training camp scrimmages and that sort of thing. Um, I feel a little like bad because I was, I think I had gone on Game Over Montreal and then I came on this podcast and I just basically like sang Owen Beck's praises like for the entirety of the duration. And then I think that's that hype during training camp started to get out of control a little bit. And so I would just like to caution everyone to like rein it in a little bit like the he's still only 18 and there's still a ways to go. And obviously he didn't make the team out of training camp or, you know, get any preseason action. But I mean, can't really deny how he played I mean he probably deserved at least one game if not but you know it's never a bad thing to hold a player or sorry it's never a bad thing to you know have a player play another year in junior so I think you know the Habs make the right decision of getting him another season in the OHL especially considering he didn't play two seasons ago Um, so yeah I mean it's just been full steam ahead for him ever since he was drafted. Yeah, and that, that's something that I think a lot of people have been talking about because we, we've talked about it. And obviously, we are really hype on this on this show. We're really hype about <laughs> Owen Beck, uh, particularly my co-host who, you know, I have I have a, a favorite prospect. I, I like the short King Lane Hudson the most. Um, for obvious reasons, I am five foot zero. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so, you know, he's I'm a big fan of his, you know, and, and I love that dynamic, fast defenseman, you know, like creative, the creative mind that he has. But I think 
the way that I would describe Owen Beck really is extremely steady, right? So one thing that we've talked about, you know, like I said, we've hyped him so much that people are like, oh, he's going to make the Habs next season. He could as early as next season, which is not out of the realm of possibility. But I think we should start first focus on, you know, his, his start to the season in the OHL and see how he's been, he's been doing. And if he's on track, I, I'm pretty sure the last time we talked about this, we talked about prospects like this that are, you know, so hyped that could easily, you know, be groomed in the NHL when they go back to their respective leagues you really want to see some dominance like what are we seeing from Owen Beck at this point uh well a lot of the question marks after his draft season were you know he's great consistency he's a really high floor prospect and I think some scouts kind of get blinded to those high floor prospects where it's almost like guaranteed or you know if they don't reach that floor it's a disappointment and there were a lot of questions surrounding his offense after last season you know he didn't uh, produce like a first round pick on obviously he went you know one pick and the first pick in the second round so he he might as well have been a first round pick but uh, you know the one thing that I have been really impressed by this season is his you know he stepped up offensively like his shot looks a lot stronger it's more powerful it's more deceptive the release he gets it off more quickly I wonder if he picked up some pointers from a certain Habs sn- sniper in training camp but um that's been basically the biggest difference. I mean, he's working with well with his line mates again this season. Um, just that consistency at both ends of the ice. The the main thing is just that the execution is a lot better this season. You know, the puck is going in for him. He had that six point night um, back back in October, which was mind blowing. And then you know he, I think he's had. Uh, you know, multi-point games in almost every single, or multi-goal games in almost every single game this season. So it's been quite impressive that he's been, you know, finishing, he's uh, on pace for 50 goals this season in the OHL, which is, which would be absolutely incredible if he can get there. Um, And, you know, to kind of, I think he had finished the season with 51 points last year. I think he's on pace for almost 100 this year. So that would be the offensive step that you know, scouts had been looking to see from him this year. And if he can get there, I think, you know, sky's the limit. That's the thing. I I love how you said sky's the limit because it was, I believe it was Jeff Gordon. So on this podcast, we've talked a lot about the two podcast episodes that um, uh, Kent Hughes and and Jeff Gordon did. One on uh, the Knuckles Nylon podcast, Ron Knuckles, the other one on the sick podcast with Tony Marinero. And I'm pretty sure it was Jeff Gordon that said this to Tony Marinero. He said, you know, people always talk about his floor, but like, don't give this guy a ceiling just yet. You know, you said the sky's the limit. I think that was one of the things that, and I think the, the production aspect of it probably came a lot into those, into those, into those reports was that this kid has a high floor, uh, but his ceiling might not be as high as we would want. But now the Canadians are in a position where if they play their cards right and Owen Beck, hopefully with injury, you know, luck, injury, luck and all that, like everything goes right for him. He does all the work, the halves develop him right. He could be the number two center behind Nick Suzuki. Like that, that's something that like my bold prediction was that that's what we're going to see when they're a contending team. Owen Beck's going to be the second line center on this team. Right. So again, we are pretty hype about (laughs) Owen Beck on this podcast. Um, But my question to you is like, what do you think are the next steps that he needs to take in order to, let's say his ceiling is like second line center behind Nick Suzuki on a good Habs team. Like, what are the steps you think he needs to take next in his development? And do you agree that maybe next year, like, let's not rush him into the NHL. Let's see how he's doing and maybe he can do the AHL. I mean, Caden Gooley didn't need the AHL, but you never know, right? So, like, what are your thoughts on this? And this is, like, purely Lauren's opinion based on her very, very informed scouting. Nobody yell at her because you disagree. (laughs) 
Um, here's the thing about Owen Beck is that he already played such a mature game last season, even though, you know, obviously the offensive production wasn't there. There's not really a whole lot that I would, you know, need to see from a player like him to, you know, improve upon. It's just about maintaining, again, that really consistent two-way game, you know, not sacrificing the defense for the offense, not that he does already. Um, just maintaining that kind of production throughout the season. If he can break 100 points in the OHL this season, I mean, I don't see why he couldn't push for a Canadian's roster spot next season. I don't think he's AHL eligible next year. No. Uh, I think he he would ha- that next year would be his 19 year old season. So I so think he'd have to stay in the OHL because he wasn't drafted in the first round. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, if, I always if I'm wrong, I'm sure round. someone will tell me in the comments if I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I think he's got one more year, but. Uh, Honestly, I really don't see, you know, him being too far away from, you know, an NHL spot. I think it's just a matter of, you know, maintaining that consistency. You know, the offense is going to come. If he can play himself into the conversation and make Canada's World Junior team, I think that would be an awesome step forward. Um, I, I'm sure they're keeping an eye on him now. I mean, his, his goal scoring production is two-way play. Um, he's a player who could really thrive in a short tournament like that. So I think that would be a great step forward. And obviously, if, you know, he and Mississauga can have a deep playoff run next spring, that'll probably help a long way, too. And, you know, we love Owen Beck a lot. And we'd love to talk about him for half an hour or, you know, five episodes a week. But we can't do that because there's other Habs prospects that we're excited to talk about. And that's coming up in just one moment. We're going to talk Philip Mayshar. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. And as you know, BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting, info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and even esports we've got it all at betonline.net and if you love sports podcasts which i know you do because you're listening to this one right now you can find those at betonline as well we're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix you can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more betonline where the game starts so where the game starts for Philip Mayshar is a little bit confusing because there's a lot of talk when he was first drafted about where he would end up playing and, you know, where the Canadians going to send him to the AHL. Uh, he is obviously eligible, um, you know, uh, in, in the previous segment, we were kind of confused, but he, you know, they ended up sending him to the OHL, which there were, there was a lot of talk about him, like not wanting to do that and maybe wanting to go to Europe. But what are your thoughts, Lauren, on how he's been doing so far and, you know, it, has this been a positive step for him? Because I, from what I can tell, he's not on a great team. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, to put it lightly, um, <laughs> Kitchener has really, really struggled this season. I mean, before Mayshar got there, I think they were just struggling to stay afloat. Um, they couldn't, the team as a whole couldn't stop pucks. They couldn't score. They just, they needed that kind of offensive spark to kind of lift the team up a little bit. And I think when Mayshar arrived at the, I think mid-October, that was kind of the spark they needed. I mean, he had that four-point game in his debut. Um, everything looked like it was, you know, going to keep trending upward for Kitchener. Obviously, the results have not quite been there. I think this is still a team that's probably not going to make the playoffs or at least very, very much struggled to make the playoffs. I think they're fourth in their division right now. Um, as far as Mayshar's like individual performance, I mean, he's looked fine. I don't think, 
you know, it's fair to say that, you know, he's been lights out, he's been dominant. I don't know that, you know, it's it's going to be a bit of an adjustment for a player who's, you know, never played in this league before. Um, you know, it might be unfair to expect him to kind of dominate when he's still kind of adjusting to pace, adjusting to different rush routes and patterns. Um, a lot of his struggles offensively right now are, you know, he has to work better on gaining the inside and not just kind of stay in the perimeter and trying to create that way. Um, he's adjusting to new line mates. You know, Kitchener constantly shuffles the lines on a game-to-game -game basis to try and get something going if, you know, the game is not working in their favor. Um, you know, it's been a kind of a learning curve for Mayshar, but, you know, I, I don't really think that, um, you know, that it's going to stay this way. I'm sure as the season progresses, he's just going to keep getting stronger, continue to build, get more comfortable, you know, living in a new country, uh, playing with these new teammates. Um, you know, it's just... It, there's ways to go, but, you know, he's probably going to be trending upwards. I think it's interesting what you said, because, you know, that was one of the knocks on him is that when he was drafted, uh, a lot of people, let's let's admit, a lot of people in this market were not familiar with him. Like, we can't sit here and pretend we're experts on, on Meshar, uh, because most of us would be lying. But one of the, the reports on him was mostly that, you know, like he, he does tend to, to hover around the perimeter a lot more and he does need to work on that aspect of his game. Um, but everybody kept talking about his high ceiling. And that to me has me really curious because the Canadians obviously saw something in him that, you know, we didn't necessarily see. And it's not like there wasn't interest in him at all. It's just that he happened to be available where they picked and people expected them to pick probably somebody else. Um, and he's definitely somebody that I like, you know, I don't buy into the narrative that they just picked him because they wanted to keep Slavkovsky happy or keep them together or whatever. Like that, that, that kind of stuff is like romantic fantasy. Let, let, let's not romanticize drafting, right? Drafting is essentially like gambling your entire career on one evening, um, especially when you have so many draft picks and you have the first overall. So like, I think for me, what I've kind of wanted to see from him is that I still, and I think the, the context matters a lot is that I still can't really figure out what he is right watching the games and admittedly I'm only catching some of the games uh, right like that's why we have people like you on, um, uh, and and Hattie obviously watches him pretty closely uh, I, I like I, I still can't figure out what he is like as a player like what exactly is he, is he a skilled winger is he some you know is, is he like offensively gifted is he somebody that like we just haven't seen his like defensive play at all I really can't figure it out. And again, I'm not an expert, but like, I'd like to see like what kind of where you would envision him. Like, let's say everything pans out in his development, like where you would envision him on an a, on a, on a full NHL team. Well, I think long-term projection, you know, like you said, if everything goes according to plan, you know, this is a top six winger that we're talking about in Meshar. Um, Obviously, you know, it's going to be a while to get there. I don't expect him to push for an NHL spot next season. He's probably, you know, if he does fine in the OHL this season, I, I, you know, would probably expect Montreal to look at seeing what how he does in the AHL if, you know, training camp, that sort of thing. If, you know, they feel like he's still not quite ready or, I mean, they could send him back to the OHL if they wanted to. Um, it kind of really just depends on you know, his season, I mean, we haven't really seen him take off offensively aside from that first game. So I would be looking for, you know, increased production, um, you know, and not just, you know, numbers. Numbers are one side of the story, but how he's creating his offense, you know, is he just shooting from the sides and getting lucky and beating goalies top shelf? Or is he, you know, really trying to penetrate the inside, um, trying to outwork defenders, um, work down low in the cycle, win battles? 
how is he producing offensively? And, you know, is there room for improvement? Always. Um, but if he can show um, that the kind of adapting to offense in, you know, the OHL, different ways to produce instead of just, you know, being that kind of perimeter player, relying on his skill, relying on his hands um, to, you know, produce, then, you know, definitely I would say that top six isn't out of the question, top six winger. Uh, I think, you know, in an ideal scenario, it'd be cool to see him and Slavkovsky on the same line. Um, just, you know, obviously narrative and storyline and all of that. Um, but, you know, there is room for improvement and he, he has to, you know, get there. And I think the thing about him is that everything about his demeanor suggests that he will do the work. It just feels like right now, and, and I, I'm always curious about this because you have a lot of good players on bad teams and you have good players on good teams. And I always wonder how you think it affects development. Like, And I think you know a lot of it was like, remember the debates we would have about Shane Wright last year? It was like, ad nauseum, we would talk about it. And it would be like, well, his team is bad, right? Like his team was not good. So like, I wonder, like, do you think it helps for someone to like kind of be the guy on a bad team and just have to have to do everything that kind of helps his development? Or is it better to just like play amongst your peers, like your, your other top players? Let's add, I don't want to say elite or superstar, but other top players. Like that's just a, a personal opinion question. Right. So here's the thing. I'm going to use an example for this upcoming draft. Cameron Allen and Guelph. Guelph is about just as bad as Kitchener. They're kind of fighting each other for one, two, as far as last in the conference goes. Um, he has been really, really poor to start the season. And I think it's a lot of it looks like he's trying to do it all. He's trying to be everywhere. He's trying to make things happen offensively. He's trying to do too much in the defensive zone because, you know, they're kind of all over the place. And I think in that kind of scenario, you know, you you would like to see a player like that because he was supposed to be probably a top 10, top 15 pick in this upcoming draft. We he's had our on, eye on him. Yeah, he's not playing like one right now. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the team he's on. It's kind of a disarray. They're not sure. This was a team, a Guelph team we expected to push for, you know, a playoff run. And, you know, obviously things just haven't fallen into place there. So I think, you know, as much as you would like to say, you know, um, that – players you know they want to be the guy on their team um I mean you look at Connor Bedard out in Regina it's just him and maybe Tanner Howe and he is on the verge of maybe never playing in the WHL playoffs in his entire career there so you know it as as far as you know wanting a player to be the guy you know it's great for a player like that to kind of get that responsibility and be able to play top minutes and both special teams and be trusted by their coach in those situations at the same time you don't want them to have to do everything because then it's going to start dis detracting from some of the other areas of their game where they might need to focus on or maybe their offense starts to slide a little bit or you know defensively they're just unsure because they have to be doing 20 different things on the ice because you know not everyone else is kind of up to that kind of level that you know the coach is relying on so I don't think Meshar is in that situation in Kitchener like Allen or Bedard situation. Um, Kitchener has some some firepower, you know, Francesco Pinelli, Arrivaletti. Um, it's just a matter of, for him, um, trying to kind of focus in on himself, you know, work with his line, play shift by shift and try not to, you know, get distracted by, you know, feeling like he has to do everything. Because I don't think that it's fair to ask of a player like him to have to do everything. You know, this is a learning curve in the season, in the OHL of this season for him. So um, just keep working on a shift by shift basis and he should be, you know, pulling himself out of this kind of li little bit of a scoring punk he's in right now. 
I think we should check in at the end of the OHL season and see how he's improved on those little things. Cause that's, that's how I'm judging the NHL team, right? It's like, we know that they're not going to be great. We thought they would be worse than they are, but what I was looking is at game by game, all of these young players, you know, your Caden Gooley's, your Nick Suzuki's, your Kirby docs game by game. Are they improving their habits? Are they working on their flaws? Are they improving on the things that a contending team would need? Right? So that's how I was judging that season. So I think maybe at the end of the season, let's check in on Meshar again, <laughs> if not throughout the season, but definitely let's see you know if he's improved the aspects of his game that he's needed to work on in order to you know become a more well more well-rounded more promising NHL prospect but in the meantime there's still some other guys in the OHL that belong to the Habs uh, system so we're going to talk about that in literally just one second all right so we have crammed everybody else into the last segment because we really wanted to focus a lot on Owen Beck and, and on Philip Mayshar. Uh, but I'm going to ask Lauren to check in. Like a quick, I guess, let's do a quick summary so we won't run out of time. Uh, sure. We'll start with Cédric Gendon. Uh, how's, how's that going right now? Uh, this is uh, not quite unprecedented, but he's top five in OHL scoring right now. Um, this is a very, very smart player, very toolsy, kind of like, Owen Beck light you know the, t the tools aren't as high you know quality maybe at times but he, his intelligence is lending itself to you know offensive production and he's a very smart player he puts himself in those positions to succeed he's able to read and process plays very quickly um, Owen Sound has been a very strong team this season um, so that also you know helps as far as offensive production goes um, and you know playmaking has been uh, you know that question mark for Gwendon um, and it's a lot more consistent this season. And I wonder at times if maybe his, you know, goal scoring or his shooting has suffered a little bit because of it. But it's really encouraging to see that his playmaking has improved. And that's, I think, the thing is that, you know, oftentimes when a player has a particular lack in his game, he like overcompensates for that for a while. And the question is always, can they do it all at once? Can they put it all together? Like you've mastered your defensive player, you've mastered your scoring or you've mastered whatever. And can you then put it all together and become a more well-rounded person? Like I look at him and to me, he often seems like an afterthought because we talk so much about so many of these other guys that the Canadians have in their system that, you know, Scott sometimes has to remind me that he even exists and I feel bad. But like, I think to me, you know, if he does pan out, he's a very good value pick. Like I call him a good value pick in the last draft. Like I, I can't, stop saying how happy I am with the way the Canadians drafted this past year. Um, and so I'm really, really hoping that, you know, coming up, there's going to be another one of those like intelligent drafts. They might not have as high a pick or as, as many picks, right. but I'm hoping that they come up with another intelligent, like, you know, I keep calling them steals, but like, just, just like a good efficient draft. Like you use your picks well and wisely. That's, that's what I want. Um, and so now we're going to talk about Logan Mayu, who is, I think, one of the big question marks, obviously, because he didn't play much last season. And then we would keep getting asked about him and we keep going like he's played 12 games. Like, we don't know the answer to your question because he's only played 12 games. So now he's back to playing. Uh, so I'm wondering, like, what your thoughts are on him, because, like, if you if you kind of pay attention to like what other people are saying, some people think that he's the worst player and some people think that he's the best player. And I, I wonder how much of that has to do with. The people who think he's amazing, like they're looking at a shot and the people who think that he's not that great are looking at everything else he's doing on the ice. Like, that's my question. Uh, I think the answer is he's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, just on a numbers basis, the production is not otherworldly. Like, it's kind of just, you know, average. I mean, he's 
obviously defensemen were not expecting him to put up like a hundred points a season. Um, that's not the type of game he plays. Obviously the shot is an asset. Um, he's being outproduced right now by a draft eligible defenseman on his team, Oliver Bonk, who is the son of former NHL Radic Bonk, which makes me feel so old. But <laughs> it's, it's Get awesome. in line, Lauren. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, but it's just for Mayo, it's not the production that you would kind of expect to see from like a draft plus two player. You know, he's he's two seasons removed from his draft year now. Um, you know, I feel like the production, you know, if you're going to call him, you know, that kind of offensive minded defenseman, you know, I feel like he, he should be producing a little bit more than he is right now. Obviously, maybe that's just the system London plays. Um, their forwards generate a lot of the offense as opposed to coming from the back end. Um I mean, it's just it's difficult to say right now what um, he's probably going to project as long term. Um, a year in the AHL probably wouldn't hurt. Um, I just I think it's unfair to expect him to you know step into the Canadian lineup next season and be you know a, a bottom four defenseman because I don't think we've quite seen enough yet to suggest that he's ready for that role. Right, and this is the thing: people keep pairing him with Caden Gooley. And I'm like, pump the brakes. Let's see him, let's see him play a full season. Um, and again, like it's 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 really not to be dismissive of him. Like we've had so many conversations about like our feelings about the pick. It's just that you need you need to see a lot more, right? And again, like you know, Lauren, you just mentioned draft plus two, right? But then again, like he didn't play for so long. So you've got to give him that many games before you can crown him anything, really. And I think if he even like makes the NHL, like I think that to me is like, well, you know. I would not that I would be shocked, but I, I feel like that would be like him achieving expectation is him like just simply making the NHL lineup. So right. the AHL might actually be a great place for him next season, uh, but we'll see what happens. And I think now I want to talk about the delightful boy, uh, Vincent <laughs> Rohr, who is just he seems like such a ray of sunshine. Like, I love this kid. So let, let's talk about him a little bit. Yeah, um, I mean, not much to say really about Rory. I mean, he's picked up exactly where he left off last season. I think, you know, I used the phrase delightful violence. Um, here's, the, <laughs> here's the thing, like, he's a, very, he, he's a very unique player in that he blends this unique combination of physicality, but also finesse. So he can, you know, lay a hit or he can, you know, score a really pretty goal by dangling through a whole bunch of players before roofing the puck on the goalie. Um, and that's kind of where it's like, is this, you know, kind of the tale of two players? Can he use that physicality and kind of bring the offense a little bit, you know, marry them together even more this season? And I think that's true. I think he's managed to do that. I mean, the production is really taken off. Obviously, we talk about situation. Ottawa is the best team in the OHL this season. They have they went on two nine game winning streaks, uh, which is kind of insane. Um, but, you know, obviously playing on a team that good, uh, helps a lot but the production as far as he's creating chances on every shift they may not always be going in but he's you know a threat to score he's you know hard hardest worker usually on the ice um, always you know laying hits using his body positioning to get inside track on players uh, great board play um, reverse hits he loves the reverse hits um, and that's just kind of where you know this is a player that is probably going to be this player at the at a future level and, you know, that's really all, you know, the Canadians can ask for is that he can continue to, you know, play the style of game and ad adapt to, you know, future levels, you know, whether it's AHL or the NHL, bring that physicality and then the offense will come eventually. 
I love the phrase delightful violence, but just so that I can make it three in a row with a shot against the Ottawa Senators, Ottawa in the <laughs> OHL, nine game winning streaks, multiple. Ottawa in the NHL, no game winning streaks. <laughs> Lots of losing streaks. Um, that. And that's three out of the six episodes I'm hosting by myself. Let's see if I can do all of all six. Uh, let's see if I can find a way to work it into all six. Um, in the meantime, Lauren, I, I just want to ask you one more question. Um, given that we right now don't know where the Habs are going to draft, we expected a top five pick, but now it's looking more like maybe a top seven, top eight pick. Is there anyone that in the early going in the OHL has kind of stood out to you in that spot? Like we were talking about Alan in the previous segment. I really thought that like he might be somebody that they could pick up if they if they were like in the in the seven, eight, nine spot. But now I'm thinking maybe let's look at somebody else. Like, are there any people that you have your eye on that are in that like like seven, eight spot in the early going again, like at the end of the season, things might change uh, that you really think is worth a look at from Habs fans when they're watching the OHL? Um, here's the thing about how I feel about the OHL draft eligible prospects this season is I don't like most of them, <laughs> which is really, really bad. Like, I mean, they're, they're good players, but some are, you know, they're not exciting or they're boring or, you know, the offense isn't there. Or they're struggling out of the gate. Um, you know, it's a lot of more uncertainty than I felt like there was last year for the draft, or at least, I don't know, maybe Owen Beck is just like that good. And I was like, he's the guy, he's the guy. I don't care where you pick, but he's the guy. And, um, I guess probably out of the OHL the best prospect right now is Callum Ritchie he plays in Oshawa um really really smart cerebral player it's very similar to Owen Beck um more offensive minded at times um my concerns with him are you know pace he's a little bit slower uh, as a bigger big, bigger frame player skating will need some work uh, as far as acceleration and um edge work goes um and pace uh sometimes he can disappear for games for a few shifts and then three shifts later he's dangling some poor defender out of his jock strap so that's the kind of player I think he's probably the most consistent throughout right now um Colby Barlow in Owen Sound has made a big push recently offensively he's another guy who could probably be a top 20 pick uh next summer um Allen it's just so uncertain right now I mean, there are games where I've watched him and I haven't even thought he was worth a first round pick, let oh, alone wow. a top 15 pick. So, you know, wow. it's just it's a waiting game with Allen. I mean, I'm confident that he's a good enough player to kind of get himself out of it. I just I feel like he needs to get sat down by the coaches and told to relax sometimes because I just I feel bad. I mean, it looks like he's just trying to do everything. Um, and no player can do everything. And I feel like it's really, <laughs> really hurting his confidence. So I feel kind of bad, but hopefully, you know, you know, at the start of the new year, he's able to flip the switch kind of, and at least be a more calm player, not so um, sp sporadic in his own end. And, you know, the production also hasn't been there with Allen. So hopefully that kind of lends itself to, you know, more offense and, more production down the road and who among us cannot relate to that honestly like when you're yeah. trying to do too much and then your 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 production suffers like I yeah. think we've all been there um so and that's that you know that could work in the Habs favor right like they're trying to acquire another first round pick they've already got Florida they've got their own so I think you know if 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 he ends up recovering his consistency a little bit and they see something in him like he might be one of those people that's worth you know taking a little bit of a chance on me like a lot later in the first round where then where the Habs are projected to pick themselves uh so I think you know it, it's it's definitely something to keep an eye on because if he can't write the ship then I have so many question marks but if he can figure it out 
and pull out some consistency for the remainder of the season, I think that's a very good sign. Because, I mean, you look at Cole Caulfield last year. He struggled for half the season. Like, he scored one goal, and he's supposed to be a top player, right? And then he figured it out. So if he can figure it out, like, I think I have a little bit more faith in Alan. Because the reason that I ask is one of our listeners is related to him. So like, Oh, we, no, you know, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. I, I think we're, be, we're all being realistic here. You know, like, the, the, the numbers are there. You know, it's right there. It's in front of our eyes. He's not doing that great. Um, hey, I believe in I, him. I believe in him. I want him to turn it around, okay? Right? That's what we want. Like, we definitely want that. Um, and so, and, and that's that's why I'm like, maybe he can figure it out. Maybe the Hubs can take a chance on him. Because I still, I haven't ruled him out, right? Like, he's not yeah. off my draft board. Um, so, you know, I just, I, I want to say thank you to Lauren. Lauren, can you tell people where they can find your work? Yeah, um, right now, while Twitter is still alive, you can follow me at LauraKelly24. Um, I don't always post about prospects, but I, I try to do it more. Um, and actually, this week, an article is going up on EP Rankside uh, that I am writing that features four Montreal Canadiens prospects and how they're doing. And <laughs> so that'll come out later this week. So if you guys want to check that out, that'll be at EPRankside.com. Um, you will need a subscription to read it, but you should subscribe anyways, because we've got a lot of great uh, stories and articles and insight on there and Scott and I swear by it we really do you know like we we've had a lot of um, public scouts uh, on on the show and I think like EP has been one of our our go-tos uh, for information particularly as the Habs have sucked <laughs> like it's been <laughs> like you know let's let's look at the let's look at the prospects and stuff like that and and Lauren honestly this was a really delightful episode like it went by so fast I'm so so grateful to you for your time because I really really enjoyed this chat Oh, well, thank you for having me on. I had a lot of fun. Thank you. And I hope you'll come back because we've got we've got to check in on Owen Beck again. We're, we might have to revisit that conversation about Alan as well. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean, I need no excuse to talk about Owen Beck. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you so, so much. And for all the rest of you, my episode tomorrow will be a crossover with J.D. Young of Locked on Sharks after the Habs Sharks game. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, we're at LO underscore Canadians. If you want to email us, we're locked on Canadians at gmail.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts as well as on YouTube. And if you like us, please tell your friends. Uh, I mean, this episode, come on, like you'll get guests like Lauren again. So please subscribe. Tell everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you all tomorrow.